I've enjoyed the fact that you can actually get out and do things and see people, which is a nice change. Uh, watching the Olympics, watched the Olympics down from the boathouse last night. So it was, we had a, a fire going and we're watching the Olympics on a projector down there. It was uh, quite the Canadian way to watch the Olympics, I got to say. Here, <laughs> a bonfire and the Olympics, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And how about those Canadian women winning the big soccer championship today, the football? That's pretty awesome. They were, they were, that was an impressive win. So yeah, we it, normally introduce our guests. <laughs> we yes. normally inter- introduce our guests right away. And we were just having a conversation. Anyone that, that knows Jessica out there on Facebook knows that um, she goes by a different name. Now, if you want to ask why she does that, you should ask her offline because there's a bit of a story there and there's someone out there that might be interested in that information. But now I know. So welcome, Jessica, or Bandora, as you're known in, in some circles. Thank yeah. you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And, uh, you know, obviously people know you from the community because you're very active on social and um, you're, you're definitely well connected with a lot of people and people know you as a virtual bookkeeper. But I think one of the really interesting topics I wanted to, to touch in on today, which is something that I think is really amazing that you're as vocal as you are about mental health. Um, because I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a bigger issue now than it's ever been with people who have been locked up in their houses for as long as they have and, you know, facing financial Amen. issues that they've never had to face, or at least at the, not at this magnitude. Um, and, you know, I think mental health is, is at all time highs. And it's nice to have someone who's out there willing to talk about their experiences with it. Because as we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of stigma around mental health and it's not, it's not easy for people to talk about. Um, so I, I first of all want to thank you for having the courage to um, share your story. And, and I'd love to talk and, and dive a little bit more um, into you know, some of your experiences and some of the things that you found worked for you and, um, and tips and advice uh, for those of us who are struggling uh, or for those of us who are just having a tough week. Right. You know, it's, you know, sometimes mental health, um, it's easy to just say, oh, I've had a tough week. I've had a, you know, I'm not having mental health issues. I just, you know, it's just a shitty client. It's just a shitty week. It's a shitty day. It's Monday. You know, I haven't had my coffee yet. Right. Um, But what are, what are some of the coping mechanisms that you've learned along your journey when it comes to managing mental health? Well, my journey has been long and bumpy. I've been dealing with mental health since a very young age in different forms. I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until I became an adult and I sought help and we're looking back and then I go, oh, that makes sense. So as a child, I dealt with depression and eating disorders. My parents tried to help me. I guess it kind of sort of helped, but it wasn't spoken about. It was taboo. It was something that was trying to, you know, let's try the spotlight on other things and ignore that that's going on. And it wasn't until I was an adult and I was living alone and I was uh, the victim of a crime that I then realized something's got to happen because my quality of life is being affected. I cannot function on a normal basis. I am at the mercy of my brain and that just cannot continue. And it's by taking those steps, which are terrifying. Seeking help and opening up to somebody requires a lot of courage. And I cannot say I was always very courageous. That is what I learned. That is a lot more common than we think. Mm -hmm. It's that they say one in every five people struggle with some form of mental health challenge. And it's a spectrum. It's different for everybody. 
for some, it can be depression. For some, it can be anxiety. For some, it can just be hyperactive be behaviors. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I just say it can be both because I'm not afraid yes. to admit that yes. you know, I've, I've dealt with it. It's, it's tough. Um, they're very similar afflictions, but it's kind of different as, you, as um, you're no doubt aware. But for people that don't understand the difference, anxiety and depression are really just how you're framing the stress in your life. Depression, you're dealing with stuff that's already happened, that's got you all bummed out. And anxiety is dealing with stuff that's about to happen. I, or that I, you I fear took may psych- happen. <laughs> or you fear may happen. It's mm-hmm. called anticipatory stress. And you're just anticipating something that may or may not happen, but it has you on edge. And there are different ways of dealing with them, um, whether it be medication or exercise or, you know, holistic, you know, natural methods. It's, it's, it's tricky. And, you know, what, what I'm hearing, Jessica, you know, you de- deal with it head on and you talk about it. That is just so huge. Um, so many people are afraid to talk about it because, you know, you said it's stigma and it really is therapeutic to talk about. Is it not? Like, I think it is. It, it can be scary to talk about, especially in an open environment, because, you know, not everybody reacts the same way. A lot of people yes. may consider it a sign of weakness. But over the years, I learned that it requires a special type type of strength to battle Mm -hmm. these inner demons and still get out of bed and be a productive member of society. So by coming to that realization, I learned that the more that I can let other people know, say, it's okay, it's normal, you're still special, you're still love, it can make the difference in their day, it can empower them. And because I unfortunately have lost some people that are close to me to suicide, it became even more important to me to try to have whatever small effect that I can. I actually have a tattoo in my wrist. It looks like a dragonfly from afar, but it's actually an an apostrophe. And that's a symbol of mental health. And anytime that I am having a bad day, I just look at it because this is what writers use when the story is not over. The story may suck right now. You may right. feel like this is the end, but it's not over. And, you, and sometimes we just need that reminder. So like you said, Brad, coping mechanisms will look different for everybody. But the key is to focus on the moment, especially with anxiety, because I have anxiety and panic disorder. One <laughs> of the things that helped me to nip those in the bud is when I start stressing about the what ifs, I focus on the present. So think about the current current inputs, the smells, the sounds, the lights, what you see, what you can touch, that can help ground you quite a bit. And in this last year with the pandemic, a lot of people are struggling with isolation. So finding safe ways of making connection are critical. We may have to get creative. We may have to think outside of the box. Zoom is really great for that. and I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of being, I don't have a mind of the pandemic very much because I'm an introvert by default. And then I get all this social interaction via Zoom that I don't mind not having to see people yeah. in You seem to really embrace it. I know I, I've got to know you through Tanya Hiltz's Friday, um, little Friday get together that she has. And you're the there cloud. almost every Friday. And, and um you know, it's a fun little group. That's kind of how uh, we got this front and center. Well, a few weeks ago, I popped in and Tanya had me come in as a co-host. And then you and I started talking. I said, hey, you got to come on FNL. But you really seem to embrace it. And, you know, you're, what you just said about mental health. And, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that you've lost um, friends to suicide. I lost someone to suicide in the last year. And I've learned more recently because his wife is a good friend of mine. And of course, you know, she's impacted in her own way. And it was really, really tragic on so many levels. Um, The way it came to be, the way he didn't really deal with his demons and how he did deal with them. It's just really sad. Um, I actually lost somebody years ago to a fake suicide, if you can believe it. He actually maintained on social media that he pretended to be a loved one and said, Oh, I'm really sorry to tell you guys, but Eric, um, 
took his life recently. He overdosed on pills. We're like, oh my God, it was terrible. I felt awful. I was, I went through all the emotions, but a year later, maybe two years later, someone found out that the guy was alive and well living in Alaska. And wow. this was kind of his MO was to go around. He was, we're pretty sure he was bipolar, but he would go around the, the North America befriending people, then stealing from them and then have to run to the next city. And he kind of wore out his welcome in the, con in the contiguous United States and had to go up there. But I went through those emotions and it's, it's so hard on the people you leave behind. Um, now, Greg and I, the person who just passed away recently, he was a close friend in a past life, really close friend, um, one of my best friends, but I kind of lost touch with him um, for a variety of reasons. Um, there was a slight falling out there, um, but it was so, it's so tragic that, that it comes to that. But at the same time, the last thing I wanted to do was judge him because I looked at it as, you know, you may have been a screw up and everything and you did some things some very stupid things but to be in that much pain that you want to leave this world i can't imagine what that would be like because fortunately for me personally i've never been there but who's to say we can't be there you know just like i say mental health is something we all struggle with to varying degrees and having support is awesome but it's not always everything that's you know, right. And it's something I notice a lot in our industry. I am noticing that maybe because I just hang out with so many bookkeepers and accountants, that uh, there's a lot of anxiety and not everybody oh, yes. uh, even recognizes it. They think it's just normal everyday stress. But I guess because I've experienced that, I look at it I'm like, are you okay? Do you need to shell? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a pretty high uh, <laughs> tolerance for pain, though, in our industry. Um, I know when I was my accounting career early on in public accounting, it was just brutal on the on the psyche, the time pressure to get things done, the deadlines, um, just the sheer volume of work that you had to squeeze into your day. I mean, 40 hour work week, what's that? Right. And I think a lot of people feel that way, too. But um, I, what's nice to see is there are a lot of people out there that have support of others in the community that are helping them through things. There's so many collaborations and collaborative projects going on out there. We just mentioned Tanya's. What a great way to play. I'm sure, you know, you're there and you show so much excitement for it that that's important to you. Um, everyone's got these groups, you know, I, I can't wait to see Andrew every Friday. I mean, Andrew and I, um, are great friends. We haven't seen each other for so long. We're used to seeing each other several times a year. You know, we've all sort of gone through that. And it's nice to know there's still some support. I got to admit, though, the Zoom, I like Zoom for servicing clients and that, but I'm to the point where I don't even want to use it anymore. <laughs> you, know? you know what you mean when family uh, wants to do a Zoom gathering? I'm like, I am Zoomed out. <laughs> like, I like saying yeah. hello to my accountant friends because we're spread throughout the whole continent, but uh, socially, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And you, um, I, I might be use... in person, but you know, yeah, you well, absolutely. Um, but you do you Zoom a lot in your given day? You, you, you got a pretty packed schedule, don't you? I, yeah, I'm, I'm in Zoom pretty much all day long, either Zoom or Teams or uh, like uh, Office or whatever, like some go-to meeting. I'm in some form of virtual meeting pretty much all day long. And I love Zoom. I, I think I, everyone can get Zoomed out. And, you know, I, I guess I must be a bit of a narcissist that I'm comfortable staring at my face all day long because I know that's become, that's become a real issue for a lot of people. It's like it's really uncomfortable for them to look at themselves all day long. Um, they can and, turn it uh, off. It's why they don't realize there's a setting. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can, I guess. But I think what, you know, we are lucky that we have such an amazing supportive community. Um, and to call out like Matthew Fulton, who just put out a, a post today saying, hey, do me a favor and go tell someone how much you appreciate them. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's what's so amazing is that we do do that in our community. We, we like to support and we love when we have you know, the top 100 accountants, and we love to support and, and um, raise up our community, which is amazing. But, you know, it's, it, it's sometimes obviously, pe some people need a little bit more than just, 
you know, hey, how you doing or great job. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, we've got to do a better job to make people feel more comfortable talking about it. You know, like Brad and I, we've talked about that we, we ourselves face stress um, and we have different coping mechanisms that we use, but we're, you know, that's hard for us to share because will we be judged, um, you know, based on the coping mechanisms that we choose to use? Will we be judged by the fact that we're not strong accountants who can handle the stress of tax season? And I've personally been through, um, you know, there, there's two suicides that have been relatively close to me uh, that have had pretty big impacts. One was a really um, close, like my best friend as a child growing up. Um, and he had been through, he'd actually been molested when he was younger. And he, like, like, and he was, he was a great guy and he, uh, you know, got married, had children, but just really never could shake the trauma from that, from that event. Um, and, and eventually like, and the thing is you, a lot of people would never, ever know, like, and the funny thing is he like, he was like, one of the reasons I love the guy is like, I would walk down the street and he'd be picking up women left, right and center and was social and outgoing and charming. And you would never know unless you knew the, the struggles that he was facing. Um, and, and so that really gave me an eye opener too. Sometimes those people that you see out there who. Um, look strong and fierce and the most outgoing person in the community um, may be struggling just as much as the guy who's willing to be as uh, open as Jessica and say, Hey, you know, I've had struggles. I've had a tough time. Um, and we never really know everyone's stories. So, so don't hate on, um, you know, those people who are up at the, you know, preaching off uh, about how great they are, because oftentimes, you know, that, that is a, a form of, protection that people use is, is mm -hmm. trying to show everyone how great things are and how everything on social media is perfect when behind closed <laughs> doors, it, it may not be right. Um, yes. And, and then again, also like the other one that, that uh, was, was a big eye opener for me was, um, so I don't think Jessica, I've shared this with you, but my father, um, when he founded our firm, once upon a time, we used to have branch offices across the country. It's sort of like a small franchise type of model. And our franchisee in, in Ottawa um, took his life in the middle of tax season, literally over the stress of, of, of not being able to complete people's files. Um, and so like the, we, you know, we have had some discussions in the, in the past about the stress that we absorb around the feeling of being responsible not only for ourselves, but for our clients' financial situations. And then, you know, if you take on too much and you feel like you can't get it done and it's going to negative, that creates a huge amount of stress. And I think that, that the, to the extent that, as you said, Brad, that we can talk about it and be open with it and share it, uh, I think that it is easier. Um, I'm not a therapist. I, I don't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, but I know for myself. You don't play one on the internet? I don't play one on the internet. Uh, you can't call me Fraser. But I know like just even like thinking about the late nights that I've had, you know, at QB Connect, hanging out with you and uh, Tamitha or other people and just sharing my woes and my struggles. There is something that is cathartic about sharing. Um, mm -hmm. And, it, and it, it, it helps me. I'm not saying it's going to help everybody, but I think to the extent that we make it okay for people to share and, and make it okay for people to say, you know what, I need a mental health day. Like look at Simone Biles. We were talking about that earlier. And, you know, all the um, publicity that she's got, some positive, but some negative, right? Like, oh, why yeah. is it okay some... for an athlete to go, you know what, this stress is too much. I need to take a step back. Why, like, it, in what shitty world do we live in that we can't just give someone that space and that time that they need? She doesn't owe anyone anything, right? She really didn't owe anyone anything. And people were like, well, you know, she owed us the glory of a gold medal and this amazing performance that, you know, they many call her the greatest um, gymnast ever, whatever. It's ridiculous. They don't, she doesn't owe them anything. And yet people were complaining about it. I was just shocked at some of the reactions I saw on social media, um, basically picking on her. And it was really, really sad. So all I can say is one thing I've learned to be empowered about it. I'm not afraid to talk about good luck trying to shame me <laughs> because yeah. I, you know, if I've had a struggle because 
you know what it's i it is good to be able to talk about it and to be able to um do something about it because you're right andrew it is cathartic um jessica you you mentioned earlier just having the right support and the right coping mechanisms and the strategies and i think we've all agreed that it's going to be different for everyone but the key is acknowledging you have those challenges and find a way to get out of it because suicide or anything like it or an attempted suicide or anything like that where you're going to try and harm yourself to to get to get out from under this it's just tragic not just for what it does to you potentially um but just the people around you it, it's so sad I, I i just you know mentioned my friend's wife and she was a really close friend of mine in a past life and i just can't imagine what she's gone through she's showing strength but my god you know my now, god, I wonder, she... jessica in your um you know experience did you and education as you went through this process and learn more did you learn anything about any like warning signs or things people can look for and how you know if you spot those warning signs is there a right way or a wrong way to reach out and to, uh, to tell people that you're there for them have you know have you gained any insights around that well, I can't say that I am an expert at it. Uh, I mainly just know from personal experience and what I've observed in the patterns, but something that I've noticed is I worry for the people that are always the clowns, those that are always oh. having fun, making jokes. I mean, just look at Robin Williams. I yep. mean, there's yes. examples of lots of celebrities, these people that are always making other people happy are usually using that as a mechanism to deal with their internal pain. I'm not saying that applies to everybody, but usually that to me is like, okay, uh, I, I really like your jokes, but I also want to hug you. <laughs> uh, so how to approach it, it really depends on how close you are to the person. Sometimes just straight up confronting, you may get a defensive response. You may get denial. So the best approach is finding ways to make them feel that they are not alone. And how that looks for other people will depend. For example, you know, there's, they talk about like there's the different love languages. Each person has a way that they express and like to receive love. For some people it's communication, for other people it's thoughts, for other people it's gifts. So if it's somebody that you're close to enough that you kind of have an idea, trying to approach it that way is a really good thing. Now, if you're encountering somebody that is in the middle of an episode, like you can tell they are freaking out, just lowering your voice, talking in a smooth tone, breathing gently while making eye contact can really ground a person. And then once they start focusing on your eye contact, then you can start guiding their breathing so if you start taking deep breaths they'll start taking deep breaths and that can help diffuse the situation cannot guarantee it'll work in any situation like i said this is not a field of expertise but it has worked for me when i've been in the middle of a freakout. and i know that you know we talk about the pressure in our industry we just the stress of taxis and our clients but something that a lot of people don't realize and it's what i experienced and now that I do coaching for other new bookkeepers that are entering the industry, is the stress of building a business. And something that I struggle with when I hung my own shingle is I know that I am good at the job, but the part of getting a client terrified me. There used to be a time where when somebody reached out at wanting my services, instead of celebrating, I would freak out and I would be terrified. I mean, once we got past the station, they were onboarded, it was smooth sailing. But I am seeing that a lot in our industry because a lot of people, we, we want to be self-employed, have our own business because it's something we're good and we wanna do, but we, whether we're shy introverts or have imposter syndrome, whatever the case may be, Getting over that can be very tricky. It took me a few years. Now, when somebody contacts me, I go, yeah, new client, but it wasn't always like that. 
Yeah, I mean, well, that, it's almost like da- it's almost like dating, isn't it, or something? Like it's like you don't really know that client, and you're like, oh, am I going to be good enough for them? When you know, it's confidence. I I remember that feeling when I first started. Am I ever going to get any clients? You know, that first client, you just wait and you wait and you just hope it'll happen. You don't even know what to do. But yeah, I think we all go through that. It takes time to build a business, right? And and in that time when you're building the business, every doubt you can possibly imagine is going to run through your head, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess the question is, is you you know you're going to have the devil on the shoulder telling you like, oh, you can't do this. You, but hopefully you've got that angel there and, and those friends who are, who've got your back who are saying, don't worry, this is normal. It takes time. Keep at it. You know, you're, you're, you're doing great. You just got to persevere. Um, because I think a lot of people, we, we know the stats on how many businesses fail, right? We, we hear about that all the time. It's so high. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is because of people's inner demons, getting them going, I can't do this. I, I'm not going to be able to do it. I, 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 you know, and not being able to persevere for, through that, that, that first two years, because the probability of you succeeding, if you can persevere through that first two years, skyrocket, right? We, the stats are out there, you know, Intuit tells us them at every conference we go to, um, you know, about how many businesses fail and how every year that every, quite frankly, every month that you remain in business, your probability of succeeding just starts to go like this, right? It becomes that what about possible. the COVID effect, the pandemic effect though? Like that brings in a whole new dimension because there are businesses that had dodged all that. They're well into their, into their life cycle. They're and then taken out by know, a world pandemic that nobody saw coming or well, no one saw coming saw. and they realized that, you know, they're not, yeah, it's, I've heard so many people try and blame things on the pandemic. And yet I love that I'm terrible at quotes. So I'm paraphrasing. The pandemic hasn't changed anything. It only accelerated change. It really, the things that were already in motion got accelerated. You're, free, you're a bricks and mortar retailer. And for years you've been doing it the old fashioned way and you haven't invested in an e-commerce solution or something like that. All of a sudden no one could buy from you or no one wanted to buy from you. Then you got Amazon who, you know, their value just, I heard a staggering number of how many people they've hired during the pandemic. It's unbelievable how they were able to expand. Well, they were poised for that. So yeah, it's, it's been a huge source of stress in that, you know, you, everything was going along swimmingly. You got your desktop based um, firm was doing really well. You had all your steady book of business and all of a sudden you couldn't see your clients Everything was paper-based. You couldn't do things the proper way. And here you are struggling to play catch up. And I'm not just talking about accounting. There's other businesses out there. You know, I got so many phone calls during the pandemic from people that want to modernize. And they, it's almost that it's too late in many cases, because a lot of people are like, what's this going to cost me? And and once you lay it out, it's an investment. They're like, well, I don't have any money because my business is really slow. And I really need a quick fix. It's like, oh man, I, I can't recommend a quick fix. But I've, I've really tried to work with uh, new clients to say, look, let's do this in a collaborative fashion. I'll show you how to do things. It's not the best method, but we're going to try and get you there because I think doing nothing is just going to um, accelerate the inevitable. And if you really want this to happen, now's a good time but don't put it off. Well, and, and this is probably a, a great time to transition into a little bit more about the accounting industry. And Jessica, like I said, I really do appreciate your courage and I, I appreciate yes. you to talk about it. Timely also, topic. Yeah, I'm definitely also interested in, in talking to you about your business because I love that um, you're one of the few people out there that much like myself is uh, platform agnostic. You run a QBO and a zero uh, based firm. Um, so I'd love to know from your perspective. So you've been doing this, I think. Um, Andrew, I'd like to add just one little, little bit, cause this is a discussion that I think people might be interested in as well. In addition to what you just said, but Jessica, you're a 17 hats fanatic. Are you not? Yeah. Some people will think I am. Apparently, there you go. Uh, uh, so let's incorporate all that in. Cause I've seen you in action with talking about 17 hats and i've seen your post in fact i think that's how i got to know you 
online because I was looking, because I'm not a traditional bookkeeper accountant, I was looking for a workflow solution that wasn't just for about bookkeeping or accounting. It was for business in general. And holy crap, you've got that thing dialed in. And, and the funny thing is that I, I, I have to thank uh, Kelly and Kelly Parks and Ta Tanya Hills for that, because I had gone through the app overwhelm that every bookkeeper Canada. goes through when trying to find an app. I was asking in the groups and I thought, oh, well, they like this app, so I should like it too. I felt like I demoed and trial everything that was available a few years ago and nothing was a good fit. And it was watching a YouTube recording of Kelly and Tanya talking about the different ways I that they use 70 hats. And I was like, oh, this could work. And I Canadian just- Canadian influence, I love it. Yes, no, I had to thank them for that. And then that gave me the inspiration to realize, okay, everybody can find their own flavor. They both use it so differently, but it's very effective for them. So then I found my flavor. And because when I started my business, I was very alone. I didn't know anybody that was doing what I was doing. I knew traditional accountants, but I didn't know anybody that was 100% virtual and paperless from the get-go. I was not in the right Facebook groups. When I try to search, I must have used the wrong keywords because I didn't find the first bookkeeping Facebook group until I had been in business for a year and a half. So because I went through this whole lonely journey of discovery and trial and error, I became passionate about saving some other people that came after me that hassle, like learn from my mistakes. <laughs> now, 17 hats is not for everybody, but it can be hard to understand when you're new to it. Can this help me? Um, what does it look like? So because of that, I've recorded some videos that have become wildly popular. And I keep like every week I get feedback from people I've never met saying, thank you for that video, it was so helpful. So I feel like I am kind of paying it forward. You're almost as famous as, as someone else from South Florida. Hector? We don't need to promote Hector. him, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows Hector, he's famous. And I think it's Slovenia. He's one of the top YouTubers there. It's one of those I am not even and... close to Hector's recognition. Well, give it time, give it time. <laughs> You're, you're only at 99,000 followers or fans. <laughs> I haven't even looked, but I know that it's not that many. I actually only started my YouTube channel less than a year ago, and I don't promote it a whole lot. And, but it has been a really good source of leads. So I found that content marketing or just establishing myself as an expert has been the most effective way for me to get clients because it's an introvert traditional marketing does not appeal to me. It's not authentic. It gives me anxiety. It stresses me out. So that's why I took the approach of just building no like and trust videos, blogs, yes. webinars, the like. And that way, when somebody is looking for the answer of a question, they Google it, they come across my content. And then when they realize I have a bit more than I can show, I need help then I am the logical choice. They reach out to me. So that's been nice. working very well. And then it's so you're, all you're coaching. marketing for you. You don't have to reach out and cold call or do any of that awkward Exactly. Stuff. I just create content. And when I create it, I don't spend that much time. And I just, I create it from a, uh, a mindset of generosity. I'm just sharing information. I don't have an expectation of getting anything back. That's actually how this book was created. I wanted to write a lead magnet for my website. And one night I couldn't sleep. I decided to upload it to Amazon and actually have a book. You wrote <laughs> and, a book. Nice. Yes, I wrote a book. It's on Amazon. Uh, but it's available for free on my website as a lead magnet as well. It's not very long. It's not like it's the Bible of bookkeeping. But it answers the questions that my target audience had. So from this book that's being out for about three years, it's generated so much revenue and it still does. And all it took was a time investment three years ago and a couple of dollars to get the layout done <laughs> because I did everything, I DIY'd it pretty much because back then I was really bootstrapping and it's amazing how much that has paid off. Same with my videos. Sometimes a client or another bookkeeper will ask a question and I'm like, okay, I'll just record a quick little video about it. 
and I'll post it on my YouTube channel because I purposely use the sample company file or generic content and I forget about it. And then months and years later, that's still generating a steady stream of qualified prospects because they already know that I can help them with their problem. And they're actively searching for a solution, yes. which means yep. they have intent. It's intent-based search, right? And that's a lot better than any ad you can do because you could spend millions of dollars putting together a Super Bowl ad, but you know, if there's someone who's going to yeah. watch a Super Bowl, they're not out looking to solve their accounting needs, right? That's right. Well, you, do, you, you said, you know, I, I've mentioned it in the past, the no like trust equation. The trust is the hardest part of that equation. Knowing somebody is easy. You know, you, you talk about people out there being the clown or whatever. You can be super visible out there. It doesn't mean people are going to like you. They just know who I you know are. Me, but and I'm if, and if they, <laughs> but if they do like you, it's that trust part is by far the hardest. The nice thing about what you're doing, Jessica, with your, your channel is people are coming right to the trust because they know they, they, they know you because they Googled you. They like you because they like the way that you're approaching the problem and the trust is coming out of those videos. Like, I think you're accelerating that trust part because as soon as you've got them lured into your videos, they're going to trust you pretty quickly because you come across as being very confident and trustworthy. And that's, that's awesome. I've never thought of it that way. The, well, trust. The, tr the trust also comes like, I think we're, we're in a period where creating virtual trust is, is now actually relatively easy. Um, I, you know, it's easier, yes, easier, I, I should say, maybe not easy, but easier uh, by, you know, like there's so many places, Google, Yelp, even QuickBooks, where you can get these Google reviews, right? And, and, and that demonstrates trustworthiness because of the, po the positive things other people are going Do to say. Do you trust social proof, though? I, I, I don't know about you, think, but there's so many businesses out there. I've got this one business that I deal with, they sell outdoor gear and you buy something from them and they'll send you a, a, a link a week later saying, review our product and we'll give you 10 bucks off your next purchase. Like, well, of course I'm gonna review it. I just right, did that right. for my dog's bed. I got $10 but off is that... my dog's bed because I left him an online review. <laughs> but and I find I social proof to be a I, bit I, of- No, I still personally use social proof because one, I, I definitely am gonna take the top 10 and the bottom and I'm going to yeah. discount. Gonna I mean, if you that. can read between the lines and go, okay, this sounds like shill, but this sounds from the heart. That's, but I mean it for the 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> In those cases. Also, like when I buy a physical product now on Amazon, I like I, I'm one of those late night, I buy a million things off Amazon when it's two in the morning uh, that I should never buy, but I still never buy anything without first going and looking at yeah, the true. review. And yes, there's no reviews. You'll there's go, always mm. going to be ones where it's like one star, no matter how great the product is. And there's always going to be ones that are five star, no matter how horrible the product is. It's, it's the, all the ones that are basically in between that are going to tell you the real truth and the ones that have the videos. And it's the same thing with service-based businesses. You can read through the crap quite yes. easily when it's just, you know, a generic short one line sentence. Yeah. When someone writes a paragraph, or writes multiple paragraphs, they're not doing that for a $10 free yes. dog food, right? I actually try and make it worth my while, but sometimes it's like, I just got this product. They haven't even put it on yet. And you're, and you're, and they, it's time sensitive, right? You have to do it by this time. Like I want the 10 bucks because it goes on your account. It's like a gift card, right? And you can rack up a few of these things. And yeah, I just find it's not a motivator. Um, other times there's others, uh, providers out there that are just pestering you every couple of days, you know, review, review, review. It's like, stop it. I'm not and going to. So it looks like Jen B's up late tonight with us. And she was saying that some retailers are actually going so far as now have to tell people when, when it's part of a promotion. Yes. Yes. I think Amazon has that in there where it's got to be flagged if you are for that reason, because it can be shill. Um, yeah. On this particular site, they don't do that. Um, so I look at the <laughs> reviews and I take them with a grain of salt because I know, unfortunately, I'm not putting as much effort into it as I should because they're not really giving me any reason to. Um, but there's other things that I, you can do for social proof too, which 
Yeah. Jessica, you do, quite frankly, quite a lot. And that's by actively commenting and contributing. Yes. Right? And, and it's, it's all content creation. Um, even a comment is content creation. Um, and yeah. everything, like, everything that you're putting out into this digital world is social proof. Uh, and if you're out there offering help and support and providing answers, that goes a long way for social proof and, and for, for that trust factor as well, right? At least Absolutely. in my world. And it's amazing how many times I've joined a Facebook group because I want to get benefit from it. Like I am in this entrepreneurial group and I joined to learn about entrepreneurship. But because sometimes I have answered other people's questions, they end up contacting me and converting into clients. That's not what I set out to do. So yeah, it's this whole karma thing. You put out the positive and yes. it comes back to you. So that's why I, a lot of people say, it's like, oh, you're always so generous and so helpful. It's like, well, yeah, because it helps me in return. Yeah. But you can't <laughs> the truth comes out. It does. <laughs> Selfish it reasons. No, I'm kidding. You can't, yes, you can't it does. do it with the intent. Like as Jessica says, if you go, like we've all seen those people in those Facebook groups who clearly come to the group just for themselves and what they're going to get out yeah. of it. And those they're trying to sell you in their comments or in immediately you're getting the PMs. Oh, click on my link. Click this link. Yeah, yeah. Join my whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not a link to a YouTube video that tells you how to solve the problem. It's a link to their product or service to buy, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And and you can tell right away those people. And those people don't, in my in my experience, get a lot of value out of the groups because people pretty much shut them out right away. But it's the people oh. like yourselves who come in with, uh, okay, what can I learn here? But also what value can I give back? Because it's about building up the community, whatever community that is, whatever group that is, whatever it is, it's always about how do I make this community that I'm a part of better? Because making the community better makes me better. And that's the win. Absolutely. It's that whole rising tide concept, right? Yeah, you know, I, I love the, the, um, abundance mindset and that's what it is again and we're so fortunate to be in a community because traditionally the accounting community or accounting industry is not a part of the abundance mindset it's been about no. scarcity it's Absolutely. been about competition and and i know when i when i articled at kpmg you'd, you'd hear the partners you know slagging the other firms and it's like one thing I learned about the staff and all those other firms who were often university graduates that I graduated with. They just went to a different firm than I. This was the same shit, different pile. It didn't matter which firm you went to. They all kind of sucked in their own way. It, it was just not worth playing or going to that level. But at their level, the big four, I guess they were big six or big eight back then. It was cutthroat. It was every man and woman for themselves and trying to steal business from other like going and stealing people's clients like my god you know long-standing relationship i remember one time at kpmg one of the partners because <laughs> surprise surprise i was one of the more sociable people at kpmg back in the day and this guy this partner who was known as being a bit of a schmoozer asked me if i'd come out with him sometime to try and win over a client and I'm like, oh, yeah, where, where's this client? Oh, he works at this oil company. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, who, who are they with? And they were satisfied with their existing auditors. They were happy with their existing accounting firm. And I did go out because I thought, well, shit, I'm, you know, can't hurt to partners asking me to come out and help out. This guy didn't want to move, but he said, I loved the comment he made as the night ended. He said to Brian, well, Brian, you know, it's a big decision to make a move. We're pretty happy, but I do want to say that if we do make a move, I want Brad on the file. <laughs> so, I, you know, I did my part, um, but it just, it was, yeah, it was scarcity. It was all about, Hey, they didn't really need that firm or sorry, that client. They just wanted it. It was kind of like, um, um, you know, it, it was like, it really was at the expense of somebody else stealing somebody else's client was a big deal and i don't hear that as much anymore no, it still happens about... my very, very first mentor when i started my business it was a cpa and i was like i don't do taxes i'll send you the tax work. i'll do the bookkeeping work and then i noticed every client that i referred to that person for taxes would leave within a month i i had the same <laughs> thing happen to me 
totally. It was just like I would just send the tax work, and all of a sudden, um, I'd get these messages saying, "Oh, you know, we're going to go these guys for for more." And then it came out that one of the people I sent that way, who I actually ran a net a networking group with, he tried to to do it to her, and she came right out and she showed me some screenshots and some email communication, and the guy just came right out and said, "Oh, you're not being served with Brad." You know, even though I was giving him all this work, I got nothing in return. So yeah, well, I've, I've, it's kind of like that opened my eyes, and that was that was before I was really more entrenched in the community I'm now. Um, Life's too short to deal with people like that, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm much less willing to make referrals now than I once was. I'm much more willing to go into into um, get into it, um, the Facebook group, and just say, "Who's interested in this work? I want to find a specialist that can can give this person the best possible service." Because I'm not going to, but I'm not just going to put it out there because, you know, um, I, I've mentioned this a few times. I actually ditch my letters because being a CPA was not helping me; it was hurting me because all it was was people coming to me for the traditional work. Then I forward that work on and I never get anything in return, you know? So it's kind of like, and then you run the risk of people trying to steal your stuff. So I thought, you know what? I'd rather take the effort to find a good home for that person. That's why I'll put a post up saying, I've got a lead here. This is what industry they're in. This is what they're looking for. And then I, I'll actually take the time to screen the people that are interested in that lead to find out the best fit. I might have five people reach out and I'll send two their way. It just feels better. You know what I mean? Like helping somebody else out and putting a little effort into it is, is better in the long run. And people appreciate that. Those are the, the kind of referrals I've just learned to do because it's an abundance mindset, right? I just feel like, like Jessica, you, you said it perfectly. Um, you don't expect anything in return, but things do happen. Good things yeah, do happen to people that share. As Carlos said yeah. in the comments, you get And that's what I like about our community because even though, yes, I was burned by this tax preparer, I know that the people that I build connections with online are not going to do that to me. And, exactly. you know, it, that mindset, I see it a lot. And sometimes, you know, people come to me. I don't consider myself to be a coach, but people do reach out to me because there are some things that I can help them with. And one of the things I sometimes you know, it's obvious to me now, but I realize it's not to everybody else. It's that it's a big blue ocean. There's lots of fish. Yes. <laughs> we don't yes. need to be fighting over this salmon. There's lots of yes. fish over there. We all have our strengths, our zones of genius. We all have different definitions of ideal client. Who is perfect for me is not who is perfect for you. There's no reason why we have to compete with each other. So I am very proud that I have been over the years building those relationships and just like you Brad I have like the certain groups where it's like okay if I don't I have a list I have an Excel sheet if I don't have somebody in my referral network in that list I go to this group where I know I trust these people and I'm like okay mm -hmm. this is the prospect that I have who specializes in that yeah it's a it's a good strategy because it's more authentic and the quality of referral you're giving and the person's going to remember that they're going to come back to you when not only do they, they might need your services, but they're going to know somebody that needs your services. And I, I love referrals like that. They come back maybe a year later, two years later, and they're like, Oh, I'm a friend of so-and-so and I want what they have. I want to do what they're doing. I just had one recently where a really good client who I don't really have a lot of touch with anymore because I set her up so that she didn't need the the day-to-day -day assistance, but some guy just out of the blue says, you know, Zoe just speaks the world of what you do. You did for two years ago. And I want that too. <laughs> and that like, is so oh, true. Thank you. Just today, I was contacted by somebody that was referred to me by a person that I did not take on as a client because I am actually not quite app agnostic. There are some apps I do not support. So this person was using Wave, the free accounting software. I don't oh, touch no that. But I was able to help them enough and give them some guidance and did connect them to somebody that could help them. I helped them 18 months ago. And today, this was the third referral they sent my way. 
So you never know when you're treating people exactly. professionally and with kindness, even if they're not going to be the ones to line your pocket, that you're going to plant that seed. You're so right, Brad. They will remember that. Well, you absolutely nailed um, something. You know, it's not my saying. I think it's actually Dr. Seuss is that people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. Right. So they had a good vibe. They had a good conversation with you. You did something nice and they remember that. They don't remember the specifics of the conversation from a year and a half ago. They just know that Jessica's cool and she's got she's she's got my interest at heart and she cares. Right. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Good old Dr. Seuss. You can't go wrong with him. No, uh, no. And I think it, um, you know, I'm also, I, I love the way that our industry is evolving to this niche model. And, and as you said, Jessica, that like, we don't, like, it's no longer this world where we have to worry about going to try and get our competitors' clients and, and feel that that's the only way to get clients. It's that there's enough, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. And that we're all going to grow and succeed. And to the extent that we help each other to grow and succeed, that will come back because, you know, now I know that Brad doesn't like tax work, but he loves CFO work. Now I know Jessica is great at like uh, helping people when they're trying to deal with the backlog of cleanup and, and those types of issues. And we build this network of people that we've learned about. And it helps us because when we refer a client on to, someone who needs some CFO work or someone who needs to clean up to someone who does a really good job, they're going to remember that and, and appreciate that. You know, there, there's one thing I wonder about though, is we all know the value of referrals and, and so many of, of us have grown our businesses from referrals from existing clients who are happy clients. And it's one of the biggest drivers of growth for most accounting firms and uh, bookkeeping firms, you know, around the world. Um, and I went through a sales training with, with Sandler Training, pretty well-known training company that never really sat right with me. And they were big proponents of the ask the client for the referral. And I'd be curious, you know, I know we're, we're down to the last seven minutes here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether you think accountants and bookkeepers should be asking their clients outright for referrals to other people, or should it should it come holistically, organically, or is there some sort of hybrid in, in between where you can say, tell them, hey, I, I'm, not looking, don't, I'm not asking for a name, but I'm just letting you know, you know, we're in growth mode. And if you have people that want, you want to refer, we are trying to grow our business. So Jessica, what are your thoughts on it? I do actually have a hybrid approach and it wasn't always that way because I started with this whole anxiety. I don't feel like I'm worthy of asking for referrals to coaches telling me I should ask for referrals. So what I found that works for me is when I am boarding a client, there is, they get a client handbook. It's just like a PDF, you know, things they need to know to get the most out of their service. And one of the things that I have in there is this document called a healthy working relationships, things that I commit to do for them, things that I would like for them to do for me. One of the things that I ask them is like, I would like it that if somebody like you needs help that you will think of giving my name. No expectation, it's just letting you know I am seeking it. The only time that I ask for referrals is after I completed a project, a training session, or I had an advisory meeting where the client is in wow mode, I first send a survey asking for a testimonial. And usually they're so like, so happy with me, they're happy to give it. When I send them the thank you for the testimonial, it has just a little note, like I am so happy that you are pleased. If you have a friend or colleague that you think I can wow and satisfy just like I have you, please let me know. And no obligation. Sometimes they don't have anybody to refer or sometimes they may refer somebody way down the line. But I don't like it when there's other providers where, you know, they give you these papers, like right down here, the name and phone number yeah. of people for me to contact. Method, I don't believe like in literally that. Literally ask the client for three names of people, which I found, I found terribly offensive. And I don't know if it was my imposter syndrome, you know, breaking through or whatever it was. I never, ever felt comfortable sitting down for a client and say, do you have the names of three people that you could give me that you'd like to well, refer to? I, I don't believe in that. And I don't want to contact yeah. people. I don't like contacting cold leads. I have no problem getting organic leads without really trying. And I also don't <laughs> like making my 
happy, good clients feel uncomfortable and feel pressured that they have to give me three names of people. Like I did. No, yeah, I, I, some people uh, I use that approach, but that's not my style at all. I just let them know if you know somebody. I'm here. I'm available. I have capacity. No pressure. No obligation. And we do. Well, that's exactly why. That's exactly. I was just going to say on that note of, of referrals. That's why I didn't feel comfortable with a BNI type um, approach to networking because everything about that style of networking is you must come up with referrals, right? You must come up with referrals for other people in the group, and the quality of referrals. People I've, I talked to in a lot of the, the chapters here in Calgary, which I think is saturated, they're not very good. It's like people are just trying to get the little tick box next to their name that I gave out a referral. So yeah, it's quality over quantity is always going to be better. Jessica, what you just said about your, your survey approach, you can do that in 17 hats, can't you? I do it in 17 hats. See, there it's you go. I, see, I, I know a little bit about 17 hats. It goes. <laughs> Right. I'm so really it's all in there. Rare to go. But I mean, that's that's brilliant. You know, you strike while the iron's hot. They give you a nice referral. Then you or sorry, a nice um, reply. And then you just say, well, if you know anyone else, uh, you know where to find me. And then, like you say, you don't have to follow up with them. And, you know, a few months later, say, hey, you got someone for me. It'll oh, come. I never do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable oh, doing that because do that. I always think from the customer perspective, I would be very annoyed if a service provider did that to me. Yeah. So I don't do one to me? others, but I don't like that one to me. Yeah. It happens but, though. Uh, we are I'm surprise, surprise. And, and everyone's commenting great approach of keeping an eye on Jessica. So for, for the few people out there who, who may not already be Facebook friends with you, Maybe you can tell us like, where do you, where are you hanging out on, on social? What groups are you in? Where can people connect with you? Um, how can they keep an eye on Jessica and watch you grow and succeed? <laughs> I mainly hang out on Facebook. I do not accept all Facebook friend requests, but if we've been talking to each other in Facebook groups, not necessarily talking to each other, but commenting on the same threads, I am more likely to accept you. So uh, you, I usually, I do have like a friend request holding pen and some people may be there for months before I'm like, okay, I feel like I know you, I'll add you now. But I am <laughs> in a, a lot of the strategy. big Facebook groups. I spend a lot of time in the successful bookkeeper and entrepreneurial accountants. I am on LinkedIn, but uh, you need to let me know you're not a bot because I get a lot of spam in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it may take me a while to reply and then to keep up with me usually the best is my youtube channel i actually now have two youtube channels one is aimed at entrepreneurs and one is aimed at bookkeepers because i find that bookkeepers love what i have to say about automation efficiency workflows so i wanted to separate those to you know keep uh not confuse the business owners that are just looking for bookkeeping advice <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, we just, uh, I just invited you to get into it. You just joined. Um, thanks for joining the community. Definitely feel free to share um, your content in there because I've always said to, to members of the group, I don't mind a little bit of self-promotion as long as it's not overly salesy. The, to me, the best sort of promotion are the ones where you're helping people out. We've been talking about that this whole show about helping others out. If you can help someone else solve a problem, through a video or your content, feel free. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I moderate less and less and less over time. So feel free because anything like that, that can help others. I'm in. Thank you. But I usually make it opposed to not self-promoting other people's groups, unless it's replying to a question. So if somebody Fair asks enough. a question that I have a video for, I may answer, Hey, here's the link. But I'm not gonna be that, just creating posts saying, "Here's game. my latest blog post." Says, uh -huh. "If those that need it will find it." <laughs> well, I tell you one thing: most people in the group that want to put something up, they always ask first, anyways. And I, I sense that you do that as well. But just let let it be known that I'm I'm all about community. I'm all about our membership. Um, I mean, the Canadian flag is everywhere in there, as you know. Um, we really are focusing on Canadian bookkeepers and accountants. That's what that's been my vision all along. I felt that um, there are groups out there that just were too broad. And I like bringing in people from other countries that are just rock stars in their space and, and you definitely qualify. And I'm super excited 
are very happy that you came on with us tonight because you know, this just came. It was great hanging out with you and yeah, uh, it was that was that was an exceptional conversation. Bit, For those of you watching on Facebook, come come join us next week. We have another Canadian coming back with us. I think Dustin is is confirmed for next week. Brian. Yeah, pay, from pay, Payment Evolution, and uh, we don't you have it on the calendar dance. yet, Andrew. <laughs> but uh, Jennifer Baldick's going to join us the week after, and that is actually going to be. And I'm going to say it. I don't usually do this. It's going to be the Brad Salmanis birthday edition. So I asked her, said, "What are you doing on August 20th, other than celebrating my birthday with me and joining us on FNL?" So. <laughs> Peer pressure, peer pressure. Peer Feel pressure. free to bring a cake and 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 candles, Jen. That's that's okay. And we'll see the rest of you who want to hang out in the after show. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Jessica. Good night, everyone. Thank you.